All right, people. We are now on the air. And like always, it's like a late night edition. For all y'all know, I mean, I do do these broadcasts and, you know, depending on what's going on throughout the YouTube streams. Nonetheless, information has to be pushed out anyway, regardless of what is being out here. Because, you know, I have my own attention engine is what I want to get out, especially on tonight's broadcast. So now, as y'all know, tonight's subject, food and genetics, one in the same, and how it affects you. Now, I've noticed there's some other wonderful people that have been talking about, you know, diet, potential exercise, but they never really focus on an actual major problem we face as a community. That's cool, Amir. And that is what we put in our belly. Because no matter what diet you use, whether it's the Atkins diet um, or any special crash or own diets. How you doing, Naim, Naim Buckmer? How's everything? Um, you know, Naim, I might make you as a mod, moderator, um, but I'll do this. Did, I'm going to send you a link. I want you to come upstairs. The guy have a special guest. Is that cool, Naima? Okay. So now, no further ado, I introduce you for the first time here on Chaos Rain. Here on my streams, Terrence Miller or Terrence Mikai Miller. Hello, Terrence. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Okay. And if anybody, if y'all, if y'all can hear him good, let me know on the chat room. Um, Terrence, welcome to this special broadcast stream. Um, as you know, and I could have shown some other three previous videos that you could have watched before tonight's broadcast to get a more understanding of the purpose. But like always, you know, stranger, when it comes to um, the regular discussions that people face in America, especially to black people, in regards to, you know, what is the better recourse of going about either their weight or you know the diet or anything the lifestyle? Oh, good. She said, "I'm um, peace to nine, but okay." So, before we start anything, if you want to give like a quick rundown of yourself for people that will go through these streams for the first time, uh, it goes back to the year of 1990. Here in Lynchburg, I can in Chicago. On the south, southeast side, and that was probably the three different presentations that I've attended. They kind of moved me in a way that it did. But that the day after the next, I went out, started acquiring herbs. I was very interested in learning the wildcraft and identification of birds. But something else that I heard there that, um, the message was dormant, and it began to surface later on. And that was, like the city mentioned, that uh, the only reason why herbs was necessary was because our native and indigenous foods were not here in America. Actually, it was just a couple, you know, like uh, they call crazy greens, or up to the crest, they call it crazy greens in the south. 
Mm-hmm. And then called Sorrel, that grows wild. It comes back every year. So oh, you mean the red, the red plant itself? The red leaf plant? Sorrel? Oh, no, that's hibiscus that's sorrel. Okay. This sorrel, this sorrel is in the yellow dot family. So the red one is in the uh, same family as oak really. Okay. So the flowers look identical. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was a seed in the back of man. So you know, over the years, I began to wildcraft herbs, and then that brought me into farming. Someone suggested that there's a lot of carbon monoxide poison mm-hmm. in the city with all the traffic. You know, Chicago being in the city, mm-hmm. they suggested that I go to the rural area. But the opportunity came a couple Jari and Quayley that I would see very often at different events. So I knew it was something to them. They said, we met this yogi. Mm-hmm. He was the brother who, he was one of the teachers of Yusira Hosef, who teaches the comedic yoga. Okay. And it's funny, he worked at the telephone company. Well, my mother was working at the same time, but I wasn't aware back then. And uh, they said, yeah, this brother, we met at a Kiswai Healy class, said that he, he had a lot of land for sale. He works for a realtor called Mosique mm-hmm. on the southwest side of Chicago. So we connected with them. I went down there mm-hmm. and I had me some checks saved up. So when he first showed me the land, it was five acres in the house. And I dropped $1,500 down, acquired the house. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it, was, it, was, it was pretty much in November. So the following spring, right when I began to take instructions on on Boston, on farming, I started wildcrafting herbs. Then I maybe three years later, in 93, yeah, in 95, I noticed that I couldn't identify my food because the weeds grew up. At least I thought everything was weed. Then I come to find out what's in the midst of what appeared to be weeds were actually wild food. One of the plants that Sandy showed me, because man, she took me wildcrafting herbs, it was called Lady Thumb. And I saw some purslane. Mm-hmm. And then I saw uh, Magenta Spring, or what's uh, another name for it. Mm-hmm. And I got really intrigued. Mm-hmm. So I had checked a book out like four years before that. And I, I have a thing of checking books out. It's like Spirit is telling me. This book may not be available at a later time, so acquire it. I'm not going to utilize it or delve into it or explore it at this moment, but it's something for the future. And that whole scenario has been going on. So I acquired the book, and I started seeing wild plants. And, you know, say we talked about sea moss, or officially it's called Irish moss. I saw it in the bladder rack. I started seeing the sea vegetation and all these wild plants. And mm-hmm. the book was showing the chromosome arrangement of wild plant versus adulterated plant. Even though the guy in the book, he didn't really understand genetics. He was just showing that just to give uh, some characteristics to he was trying to cross reference. You know, he knew nothing about mm-hmm. uh, you know, wild DNA. Because in his mind, the more robust, the bigger larger size cultivars that was bred hybridized they felt because they were bigger they had more nutritional content which is not true mm-hmm. and wild plants the fruit 
the DNA factor. But I say about a year and a half ago, about a year and a half ago, I really started exploring even deeper into the genetic code of life, you know, what they call the genome. And they never really initially mapped out correctly. And they said that 98% of the DNA was junk. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. They was looking for the DNA to be in the form of a protein. But it was in the form of RNA, which precedes DNA. Because RNA is one strand, and we know numerically and sequentially, one precedes two. It's like in a binary code, zero and one. Zero precedes one. It's like with the chromosome, X and Y. You know, there's a lot of uh, conversation going around as far as where our actual origins are. A lot of the brothers in the more science are saying we originated in South America because according to what they call the Y haploid group, there was the oldest remain. But once again, since X precedes Y, the Y chromosome is when you have two pairs. But there were a group of women in Central Africa who only had one set of DNA. Mm. They only had one strand of DNA, and that was the X chromosome. So X precedes Y. It's like one numerically precedes two. So one has to come before two, just like X comes before Y. Just like RNA, which is one strand, ribose, and DNA, deoxyribose. But they, they couldn't understand, well, DNA couldn't have came first because all DNA is is storage. DNA can't process anything. In order for, you know, Take a, they take a gene and insert it and make it 
before he even passed, more mm-hmm. likely three years. Mm-hmm. So when I look at bone cancer, it has three cells with three DNA. Mm-hmm. I look at ovarian cancer, it has four cells. Well, when you, basically 99.9% of all the organic and conventional food is hybrid. And if they say heirloom, that's a hybrid too. Mm-hmm. This is early somewhere in, in, in the year of like 1850 on up. Mm-hmm. So when we start looking at this in a deeper context, that these diseases mm-hmm. represent the same DNA formatting or sequencing as the disease. So when we see ovarian cancer where there's three strands of DNA, we know somebody was eating his foods. A lot of it. And we look at the four strands of somebody would eat a lot of hybrids, which we all do. Mm. And the thing about the genetic code, why is it so important? Because there's a gene called P53. And that gene has the capability of suppressing tumor and cancer development. When we look at all these abnormalities we have, the body equipped itself with genes that can suppress the development of every single disease known to man and any disease that will come into the future. But there's, there's more diseases coming because if we look at in 10 year intervals, each decade, we notice that we succumb to diseases that never in the past have been known. All of a sudden, the becomes the norm now. There was a time 25, 30 years ago, you knew nothing about no dialysis. So when I was in my 20s, I never heard of no dialysis. Mm-hmm. I never heard of thyroid cancer. You had gouter, where people had an iodine deficiency, which caused the thyroid to enlarge. Mm-hmm. And you had hyperthyroidism, which affected metabolism. And that was it. And now, they started genetically engineering cows. But we know back in the late 80s, early 90s, they started using bovine hormones, beef, beef cattle, pork, and chicken. Mm-hmm. And that's when women start having fibroid tumors, ovarian cysts, endometriosis, mm-hmm. increased number of breast cancer. But then, when the numbers really got bigger, we noticed that they wasn't just using regular ovarian growth hormones. They had started genetically engineered cows, where they become 50% larger in size. Mm-hmm. Well. Started using the growth hormones from the genetically engineered cow. That's why the disease became in a more mutated form, such as all these ovarian cysts and all these fibroid tumors. And when you look at a fibroid, it's like a non human placenta. Mm-hmm. Blood vessels are attached, feed this thing as if it was an embryo. Mm-hmm. And the blood vessels come from the tissue lining of the uterus. So the body is seeing it as an actual fetus. It's deep. Very deep. And considering that this organization called Seeds uh, of Change, Johnny Selected, who just got bought off by Monsanto, Organic Seed Alliance out of Oregon, they got an initiative where they train it in turn as teenagers to learn how to breed going to breed nutrition. Well, you figure if nature, the universe, and spirit conceives the earth 
political process, the middle, the middle kingdom, the plant kingdom, mm-hmm. and the animal kingdom, of which we are part of. Mm-hmm. And consideration was given to you have to have everything on the planet ecosystem-wise and food-wise to accommodate the very thing that were conceived the same thing intention and purpose was given to. That's, that's, how this, that's, how this, that's how things come into form. So I'm looking at this scenario and the first thing I'm asking myself, nature created wild plants. The first wild plants were the algae plants. Blue green algae, which is a bacteria, mm-hmm. but it was the first it was the first organism by way of photosynthesis. And then came the brown algae. That those is a part of the red algae, that Irish moss. Even though Irish moss is brown in color, it's actually a red algae. Even though those is purplish red, it's a, it's a brown algae. You got green algae like kelp. Now those algae are 3.1 billion years old. Those are haploid. They got one strand of DNA. Not two, but one, because one precedes two. The land plants that were wild had two strands of DNA. So the same progression that existed with plants from the ocean to the land existed from the original indigenous woman to the rest of humanity. The same sequence from the single strand to the double strand. Now, and when we go a step further, we realize that When land plants took form, the intention where the, the plants was to give humans everything they needed to revitalize the DNA for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Well over a hundred years. Well over a hundred years. But our ancestors, though they were our ancestors, though that we revere them, they had some inconsistencies and some flaws in time. They ate starch. Egyptians but we love them, but they, they drank alcohol, they ate starch, they ate the grains. But they didn't have diabetes because the grains were wrong. And the bacteria has a very hard time breaking down the sugars. Whereas when something is cooked and refined, like today's era, they, they, can, they can break it down very efficiently. But the end result is got complex carbohydrates breaking down and becoming tens of thousands of individuals Cells in the body only can, it's only composed of between uh, 6 and 8% glucose for sugar. So you eat things that are complex, like starch, that's composed of 72% sugar. Mm. The body can't utilize that much sugar. So it takes the sugar and it converts it into Fat. triglyceride.
they want to become fruitarians. It's not natural because mm-hmm. it's like a biorhythm. When the fruit is abundant, the vegetation is dormant. When the, when the vegetation is dormant, the fruit is abundant. So they go back and forth. So fruit is not abundant year-round, and perennial vegetables are not abundant. Perennial means that it goes dormant, and it has an active period. Then it goes back to the dormant state. That's, that's called a virus. Everything in the universe has a virus. That's a twofold nature. The universe, electromagnetic, electricity, and magnetism forging together, creating a virus. One pulls the celestial bodies towards the center of the galaxy, and the other one pulls it away. That creates equilibrium and the gravity, that's what gravity, in the orbit. That's how all that comes about. Well, that, that same principle is in everything. So now you have a group of Western people who think they can be God. How can you do nature's job? Can you create planets? Can you create comets, asteroids? Can you create neutrons? Uh, can you create... Uh, Main sequence stars like the sun or very massive stars like Ceres? No. Mm-hmm. Can you create planets? No. Can you create moons? No. Can you create plants? No. But you can take a wild plant that was already created in the dojo. Mm-hmm. Stop selecting. Okay, well, what's selection? Selection means that this plant has enormous adaptability. Because North America, as we know it, was not designed for human habitat. Well, how do you come to that conclusion? Because in order to live here, you have to change and disrupt the cosmetics. Mm. If you study ecology, you learn that you had a deciduous forest, that's of a tree, massive trees from the Mexican line to the eastern border, such that a monkey could swing on a tree from Louisiana all the way to Maine never hit the ground. So now look at it now. They cut the trees down. And the reason why you know it is because we have forest preserves. But what's a forest preserve? The forest that once was that's preserved. That's why they call it a forest preserve. Mm-hmm. So since spirit already knew that we would inhabit areas that were not natural, that didn't have natural vegetation, even though there's, you know, a good ten plants that to America, but most are fruit, like grapes, strawberries, crab apples, pawpaw, Jerusalem artichoke, sunflower, because when you go west of the Mason Dixon Line, you look at the grass plains, the natural native grass, you're looking at chaparrales, you're looking at uh, a lot of mountains, canyons, Desert in the West. We don't need much vegetation growing there. That's why they had to import and bring food over there. Now the important to this wild thing is that they can they have diversity. Because I'm asked a question from time to time, well, how do you know those plants are wild? Because I can take the same plant and grow it in different soils and it would express itself in a period different. But when I take hybrids and plant them in different soils, I have a planet on about 30 different plots of land, so I got plenty of experience 
from an observing standpoint, you can see that the hybrid is going to look pretty much the same because it has no diversity. Diversity means that if a plant can express itself 20, 30, 40 different ways, you cross two plants and save the seeds and plant them, the offspring is going to be different variations of two plants. 91, 10, 80, 20, 70, 30, 60, 40, 50, 50, and then 40, 60, 30, 70, 20, 80, 10, 90. So they select the traits that they want, and they and they breed them out. They do this for five to eight years, and all, all they have left is just one trait. But the problem is the plant has no resistance anything. Mm. Uh, when you become a genetic, uh, when you become a ge genetic deficient, you still 
migrant food, they're still eating food with and GMO, eating food with growth hormones, and they're not doing work for Coltent, actually. What's that again? Coltent is the element. Before you continue, um, let me just pause for a second. You give me, uh, let me pause for a second before you continue. Naima, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, Chaos. Peace to okay, you, good. Chaos, and peace to the guest. All right, good. Good, sweetie. Before Terrence continues, uh, depending on how long you've been listening, do you have any question that comes to mind for Terrence Miller? Um. Well, I know you were, you know, we're, we're speaking of the um, of our diet, and I know that um, as Africans, we, you know, our diet we don't have the same diet as a Caucasian. Our diet is separate because we are a different people. So, our food, the foods that we eat, we need to eat um, foods that are electric. You know, those foods that are alkaline. To feed our body, and um, and within that, um, you know, we're coming upon the time that our foods are genetically modified. Um, they're um, they're putting all these harmful chemicals on the on the foods, and they're not safe. Um, so I know that the best thing to do is to grow your own food. Um, but everybody, we can't grow our own food. So what do you recommend for us 
for those people who can't grow their own food, but they, they want to get the best type of food possible that hasn't been touched chemically. Okay. Well, the first thing is the educational process because 99.9% of us who do grow, we grow hybrid stuff. We've been misinformed thinking they all have an heirloom, so I have something authentic. And then that's to piggyback on what you mentioned about alkalis. What we don't know is the most devastating food that we eat are foods that are alkali. They just over alkali. Starch is alkali. Hmm. Seed is alkali. You know, like greens, you know, your your wheat, your kamut, your test, your amaranth, all the stuff is alkali, but it's over alkali. So we do, we might want to get away from that term. Designed a different term because it's just kind of misleading, you know. Because I can I can attest that there are more the, the major diseases in the world are caused by over alkali food, more so than acidic food. Diabetes is the number one disease in the world, and it's caused by overconsumption of starch, not protein. Mm-hmm. And some of us spell because we've been told by the Good doctor said me that spelt was good. Spelt is virtually identical to wheat. It just has a little less gluten, but they both are 72% starch. Well, why are they identical? Because spelt is the mother of wheat. Sebi. Oh! Wow. Hmm? Now, before you continue, that right there was a... Now, mind you, I don't want people to attack me when we play back this the stream, like I'm attacking Mr. Dr. Sebi. I followed Sebi years before his transition. Before I came across Mr. Miller. And mind you, people, I know Miller, Terrence, for some time now. And we have these conversations on off, right, Terrence, about food and diet. Before we started, did, before I did blog talk shows, we've been talking about this, you know. And one of the things that to respect people that were in the past that did their thing and now that we have to be more astute and evolve in what is the now and to find if the things that we're doing now is a beneficial move forward or was it always been problematic that we didn't know. So these are things that have to be answered. But continue. Okay, so what I did was I pioneered a seed bank, the only seed bank that exists that, that sells 90% wild and indigenous seed. Oh, and one thing, um, Terrence, I'm not sure if you're near your uh, computer. Can you um, send me that so I can uh, um, send this come live so I'll probably share my screen so you can see what it is? Okay. Yeah. Like she mentioned, I was aware that everybody don't have the zest and the, the appeal to want to grow their own food. So this year, starting in April, will be the culmination of a rural farming training facility to train interns to be the future farmers. For those people who can't or choose not to grow their own, these interns will, will branch off, bring in their own interns, then those interns will branch off and bring in their own interns. And the process will continue, and we will, they will begin to 
make themselves present in a lot of local areas where we populated it. And they can make the, it would be a direct marketing, no middleman, no store. And to keep the price low and direct marketing food to the people. But they have to realize that a lot of stuff that we do is kind of inappropriate. It's eating stuff out of season. You know, if the quality is poor, so we don't like to get back to what we were doing in the past, and that's learning how to can and freeze. I rather take, I rather eat some canned and frozen wild and indigenous food than I want some fresh hybrid food. Mm-hmm. Any day of the week, and that's something we've always done. As a matter of fact, the guy who taught me how to farm he introduced me to farming and sold me the land. The lady who next his next door neighbor that he ended up marrying her, she said he never had a refrigerator. So she was a master at canning and freezing. So when I started growing the food, I had food in about four or five people's freezers. I had so much food. Because <laughs> I ran out of space at home. So, but the thing is, I can't be the one to finance it and deliver it. Now, if everybody gave Uma 700000 for a school, we had to prioritize. Is our own food more important than one school? And if we come to the consensus that it is, then the people have to find, I can't do everything. I can't teach, train, create an 850 to 900 page manual, you know, mm-hmm. show the soil science, the plant science, the plant genetics, you know, the soil microbiology, understanding the geological origins of plants. I mean, from A to Z, the most comprehensive farming class that exists. You know, I put everything in it, but I can't finance it. So mm-hmm. soon we're going to put, it may it may or may not be a GoFundMe, but we're going to put something out there to see how interested people are to grow our own food. Because we had to understand one thing. We don't know exactly how long we've been on this earth. But one thing is for sure. This era, this colonial era that we're in, in North America, the first time in our whole entire existence where we did not feed, clothe, house, and provide our own water. Mm-hmm. And we, be, we become complacent and we don't realize this is unnatural for us. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about over hundreds of thousands of years we've been on earth. And we've never not fed ourselves until now. And it shows you, when you depend on somebody else for your sustenance, look what you get. GMO. Hybridization. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, you got more than, you got, very, you got variations of hybrids. You got wild hybrids, which are really not hybrids. You got F1 hybrids. Mm-hmm. You got hybridized hybrids. So when people say hybrid, I believe in being specific. You can't generalize because it gives you a whole different perception of what something is if you just generalize it. You have to be specific. So in South Carolina, it's going to be the location because you know, the Yamasees, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the only Ifa, Ile, so much history, the Geechee, so much history with South Carolina, and, and there's so much land there. One organization alone got 2,000 acres. I know two people who relatives got 900 acres. There's so much land, there's so much opportunity in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty much what we have to do. We have to do it collectively. We can't sit back and just watch one person try to do it. Yeah. It's, too, it's too much. It's too much limitation. And there's a lot more work to be done. And one person can't feed our entire nation. It's impossible. Right. 
Yeah, um, Brother Miller, um, I, I think I think now, as you said, you, you know, you, one person, we can't do it alone. It has to be collective. So I think now in this ADOS time that we're in, and a lot of, and it's kind of sparking a lot of attention and a, a lot of awareness, I think now is the perfect time to um, to capture that audience. Um you know, separate from reparations or anything, because um, separate from ADOS, it's, it's to me, it's not really about reparations. It's about the awareness, the togetherness, the building, and all of all of those different things. At least I like to think of it that way, right? So I think now that everyone's talking about it and we are aware of it, now is the time to forge forward with these things. Um, um, it's not that we don't hear about these different foods on on um, mainstream media because it is on mainstream media. So people are very aware of the poisonous um, um, things that goes on with food, um, and people do want to eat better more so than they did before. That's why they have these makeshift, you know, vegan places um, coming up all all over the different states and things of that nature. So people are very aware. Um, and they want to eat better. So I think now is definitely the time um, to do that. Um, my grandmother, she's 81 and she does, um, she, she, um, she's on a, she, she, she eats raw. Um, she prepares it, you know, you know, she has a following of things of that nature and things like that. Um, so I think that, as I stated before, now is the time to, you know, to put it out there to get that money. You know, Brother Umar Johnson received all of this money with no plan. And I think, you know, and I think that if there's a plan, an open plan that's very clear that people can see, um, they'll jump on board. So, you know, I'll be I'll be interested in to see. And um and I hope as well, because I think that we should do that, you know, either we start in one state and then other states and another state start small, but it has to happen because our our foods, you know, they're they're killing us through our food, and we can't allow that to happen. Exactly. Well, other people have to be an extension of the message. I don't want to be the only one out here trying to present it to people. I think other people should do it, and they have and I we supply a platform for people to kind of reference people to kind of more deeply into it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like I said, the seed bank uh, is up and running for like what's going on five years now and it's expanding. I thought it was longer than that, Terrence. I thought it was like seven yeah, years. Expanding. I think probably it's about a, we have a, a seed stock as far as the listing of, a, uh, of 110 different species. But then we have a a listing of seeds that we haven't grown out and reproduced, which makes it about 193. Then I just added like 30 more. Mm-hmm. They're talking about over 225 different wild and indigenous species. We had to ask one question. Could you ever go to a grocery store and get that many different variations of food? Never. What we don't know, when you look at the green section of the food, none of those greens are summer greens. All fall. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, they, I mean, they came 
from one place, Europe. Because Europe has a temperate region just like we do. Mm-hmm. But it's a westernized food. We have no African, no indigenous food. Like tomatoes come from an indigenous place. Peppers, eggplant, you know, potatoes, uh, that's not a food. That's mm-hmm. more so for animals to eat. The humans in era start eating potatoes. Because it's starch. Nature wouldn't nature don't design starch for humans when mm-hmm. it's not part of our DNA. So mm-hmm. so our ancestors in, in their era, during their decline period, they start eating potatoes, like the cassava. That mm-hmm. cassava is a herb called eucalyptus. It's an anti inflammatory. Okay. Well basketball players, when they take them anti inflammatory because inflammation is the, is the vessels in the, in the blood expanding themselves to bring more protein clotting substances and more healing elements in that localized area. So it swells and expands it to, to increase the volume. But it ain't every time to heal. That's a little painful, but it heals. That's why basketball players, a friend of mine, he used to coach a lot of professional basketball players in Chicago, and they would always tell him, that the injuries they got during the earliest part of their career, they fill them later on because they start putting all the ice on there to bring down the swelling. You want it to swell. That's healing. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, long story short, there's one guy, he took all them anti-inflammatory, and he needed a kidney transplant. His name is Alonzo Morning. To play with Georgetown, play with the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and a lot of people didn't know about that. He never talked about right. that, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the body doesn't think it's pregnant. 
prepare the body for conception. You eat a lot of carbs. But you don't do that every single day. You do that only when you want to conceive. Mm-hmm. Like this. But we do it every day. So, you know, we really at a very critical juncture because, like I said, our DNA is mutated. So I tell people, you can eat what you want. Oh, it ain't that, it ain't that big of a deal. Yes, it is because what you eat today will affect generations. Because mm-hmm. when you have children, they carry on those genetic deficiencies. And then when you eat, when you feed them that food, they start developing those deficiencies in them. So when they get older and have children, the same thing happens. And then each generation, we start losing more and more reproductive DNA genome. Mm-hmm. So that means that we're more likely to be born with birth defects. Mm-hmm. Like Down syndrome, Parkinson's, and there's others. See, the, the deeper the mutation, the more different diseases evolve. Include kidney failure, heart disease, and diabetes. They always complain about, say, is it passed down genetically, but the no set is actually done. Right. The letter got to the book that deals with the 23 chromosomes and what every gene each chromosome does. Mm-hmm. And it's so deep that all them functions you just mentioned, there's a gene that keeps that function running optimally. But when you're missing nutrients, mm-hmm. minerals from the food, this poorly farmed food, then the food is void. So now you got genes that are they're not turned on, they're not activated, like the P53. So when you have a tumor, the body can just wipe the tumor out, just break it down and dissolve it, be done with it. Mm-hmm. But since we don't have selenium or selenomethionine in our diet, because the food is so far and poor, and they got people think, oh, well, B12, you got to get it from me. So I was in this group called MTHFR. You know what, you know what that sounds like? Mm-hmm. It deals with people with genetic mutations and epigenetics. And I tell people, science will never uncover the answer because the answer is in nature and in the spirit realm, not in no damn lab. Mm-hmm. I tell people that you can search to your hair turn gray and you would never come up with an answer inside that lab. You got to go to the spirit realm. You got to go into nature. Mm-hmm. I learned that from George Washington Carver. Mm-hmm. When George Washington Carver, he was educated. He had all this research. But he couldn't go deeper into the plant realm. But he walked around in the forest for a few days, and he asked for the secrets to a deeper understanding of the soybeans, the peanuts, and the potatoes. And the voice told him to take all that research and throw it away. He's like, man, this is all I got. He said, you want to go deeper? Get rid of the research. Go inside your lab for six nights and seven days. When he came out, he had 300 inventions on pure intuition. Mm-hmm. When I saw that, I said, I got it. So I didn't have to study George Washington's power works. That was the only thing I needed to know about him. The so secret. I repeated the same thing. And Terrence, I don't want to cut you off. And for who that is listening to this stream for the first time, um, you could share, like, comment if you find that this information helpful tonight. And I always subscribe to Chaos Rain. Um, one thing you said that our youth or any adult, either male or female, never understand, and never understand the real secret is when they read and understand the works of our elders or answers that created many innovations, inventions. The one thing that you discovered that no one had ever paid attention, and this is what my problem with a lot of our people, because 
they think that people that say they're spiritual, that they're spook and all that stuff. One for you learn, Terrence, is that you try to find, I don't want to know what, how, I want to know what he, what he got and understand, what, what he possessed to really un- uncover the secret in Crane, I think it was over 100 or 50 or some inventions using food. That was your thinking. Cause you want to know what type of mind or what thing that George Watson Carver did that was unique than all the other biomedical scientists back then to uncover all these things. And you, you discover it. He looked into himself. And I don't know if there was a doc, um, uh, a biography of, of his life that he wrote in, of his, in his own words, what he did. Did he? I don't know if he ever told. Mm-hmm. It was. But you know, he talked about love. The fact that you love something so much. And the fact that the more attention and focus you give to something, the more you become aware of it. That's why guys back in them days, they wouldn't womanize us like they are now. When a man was a scientist, they wouldn't run around heating skin. They was 100% dedicated to their spiritual craft. Because the more attention you give it, the more it gives back. That's love. I'm showing you how much I love, how much interest, and I want to utilize you to uplift humanity. So in return, when I see you have this dedication, you have that sincerity, you have your principle, and you you on one accord, then I'm going to feed you back the same thing you gave me. And that's what I learned. That's why I can, a lot of stuff that I see in nature ain't in no book, and I never heard it from nobody. It's like an uncovery. It's like uh, how you uncovered something, you know, you didn't discover it, you just uncovered it. It was always there. Mm-hmm. And that's why we rely too much on research. And see, the problem with research, if I'm researching somebody who don't have a strong dedication, only dealing with the plant world or whatever the endeavor is on a mental plane, they, they're not dealing with it spiritually. So that means that it's only so far they can delve into it and unpack the secret. So if I draw from him, I'm shutting my own experience off because if I can go deeper beyond the mental and I can tap into the spiritual, but I don't give myself that opportunity if I'm listening to the guy over here who has a vague understanding. And that's why research has limited us. We need to throw research out the garbage because research has to be validated and clarified. Mm-hmm. But how are you going to clarify it unless you understand the basic fundamentals upon how it operates? Research don't teach you that. Research don't show you the building blocks of how things are assembled, how they take form. Mm-hmm. Research don't do that. It just gives you a person's perspective. That's all. Perspective. Not the answer, but perspective from their view. You have to not have a view. I don't have a personal view. People, what's your opinion? I don't have one. What's your perspective? I don't have one. Because I know, why would I have an opinion knowing that I'm going to always come up short. But I think means nothing. You have to almost put your mind in a neutral position where you don't think that you become the vehicle where you go directly into the source. And you understand how things are conceived, how things take form. And it's tap into the secret because Carver said something. He said, no one has the right to come into this world and to leave out of this world without giving significant reason for being here. 
I'm doing just that. This is my love. I, I understood it from, you know, a spiritual and depth. That one of the best ways to elevate your spiritual ass shape is to give service to humanity and ecology. The earth. We had a relationship to the earth. The black woman, she was the first person that was the guardian of nature. She had the connection. So when women were here, People don't think they would evolve because they didn't build them pyramids and all these big structures. No, 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 no. Women put emphasis on spiritual matters. Those men, they put emphasis on physical things. Pyramids and all that. Look at the pyramid and we think they more advanced. No. They weren't more advanced. The women that predated that uh, male facilitated matriarch. I call it a male facilitated matriarch because even though the man was a pharaoh, he still had to go to the matriarch to become the pharaoh. For that, it was the women who governed things. And they dealt, and they were forging. They didn't farm. There was no farming then. It was wild forging. I go into the wild and I pick. So the earth wasn't vastly populated. So if I go to one area in our wild craft and then I I forge and I go over here and I go into this area over here and by the time I come back to where I started from, everything will have fully replenished itself. Well, agriculture is not natural. It's necessary because there's no way this many people could sustain themselves off wild food. So what I do, I farm in a way that's closest to what's natural as possible disturbing the soil just once. And when you disturb it, make sure you replenish what you disrupt. But you have to first understand how nature operates, how she functions, so that you know what, what did you disturb and how to replenish it back to where it was. So you don't have infestation. So you can be assured that all, all 64 essential minerals, well, 64 don't come from the soil because, you know, uh, Nitrogen comes from the atmosphere, oxygen comes from the atmosphere. So the rest comes from soil. So your farming practices is like a case nation. You'll be going through there chilling and doing running a whole bunch of tractors on the land and you don't you don't do that. But you still can feed a lot of people. And you farm biointensity. We take a large amount of food and plant it in a smaller area of space. Because traditional farming they have plant space three feet apart. It's like they grow on more space than they are food. Because the spacing between the plant is three feet. And then you just got one row of plants. And that plant is probably a good 10 to 12 inches in diameter. But how about bringing the plants closer together? And you can get two to three times the volume of plant growth in the same space. You know, so I remember one person said, well, your stuff is hybrid because you took the wild seed and you planted it somewhere else. I'm like, huh? Mm -hmm. I said, who told you that? Where you get that from? Mm -hmm. You couldn't have read it in no book because the book ain't going to even lie like that. Nature knew that agriculture would be necessary. So nature made plants such that to replenish everything back the way that nature had it. And nature becomes the facilitator of farming and not man. So not me, I'm an innovator. 
your compost. Nah, I don't. I let nature do it because anything we can do, nature can manage it much better. But it's, a, it's a humility thing, always knowing that whatever you can accomplish, nature is always better. And once you keep that humility, nature gonna keep giving you the secrets because you humble, you have humility, paying reverence. But when you're on this ego trip where you're gonna do it your way and, and you disregard nature, you're gonna have shortcomings. It's like a whole different psychological mind shift as to where you approach the natural way of doing things. And I've noticed different things that I can see and observe and that's the respect that you have for nature and that's the humility and the love you have for it. When you give it the love, it's going to give you so many different phenomenal keys. You know, and, and I you know, always felt that I was born to do this and when I got initiated, and I got a reading after initiated, and initiation said I was the George Washington Carver of this generation. Mm -hmm. And I accept it. And I have to act on it. So, you know, from this point moving forward, we have to collectively finance our own farm. And we can't do what we did in the past and rely on one person. That's been our pitfall. It can't be one person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we want it bad enough, it's a collective thing. It's like in nature, everything functions symbiotically. The tree, the soil, the microorganisms, the, the macroorganisms that on top of the soil, those that are inside, the earthworms, every, every species work together for a common goal. And we have to do the same. Because mm -hmm. anybody going to give it to us. And we know that when you relegate your responsibility to someone else, the end result is GMO, radiation breeding, mutation breeding, farming genetics, hybridization, all these different variations of adulteration of what was once a spiritual reflection of the divine. Wild plants, they got a soul. They got intention. You can talk to them. They don't speak back with words. It's a feeling that you have. They said George Washington Carver talked to plants. I don't think people really understood what he meant by that. It was like, you know, I mean, you can talk to them. Mm -hmm. you, know, you talk to the plants. You know, you rub them, you touch them, you give them love. And when you do that, the results are phenomenal. The results is phenomenal. So, I mean, it's nothing but sky's the limit moving forward. And it's on us. We owe it to the children. We cannot allow our children to look back at our generation and come to the conclusion that we failed them. We cannot do that. I refuse to do that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's why I had to eat a certain way because, I mean, at my age, I got more energy, more enthusiasm, and more joy at 54 than I had at 19. Mm -hmm. I can work my, I, I can outwork my 19 year old form. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you said, Terrence, you had that, you had that um, sort of zeal um, 30 years ago, oh, yeah. or, or, or 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's why I call it. 35 years. I only can sleep for a few hours. Damn. 
Hey, Chaos, I was just about to come on. Um, I didn't want to interrupt um, Brother Terrence. He's been giving us some good information. What other questions you have, you know? Um, um, I was, um, let me see, because I was, I was on my way off because I have to get up early in the morning um, to take my kids to school. And things of that nature, but um, I mean, as so as far as food, because we're talking about we're on the subject of food now. Terrence, do you believe that we all should be on a raw food diet? Well, I don't say we should be, but that's in our best interest. I mean, that's the best thing for us because the food is enzymatically alive. Uh, you cook food, things are molecularly rearranged, and the life force has been depleted. Because eating wild foods, live, our stem cells begin to revive. The same stem cells that we lose as a child. Why we lose them? Because we're not revitalizing. The mm-hmm. stem cells run the metabolic system of the body. The metabolic energizes the neurological, the digestive, the skeletal, the muscular, the endocrine. It all starts from the metabolic, the life force, the stem cells. Mm-hmm. So life begins life. Life revitalizes life. Eating dead food, now you, now the body has to work itself. That's what Carter, to do, you know, get yeah. rid of dead food. Yeah. You know, Terrence, I hear this always saying, I'm the wrong proponent because my diet is a little funny. It's not always perfect. But I hear some people say, well, you know, you got to have a certain balance when you eat. I mean, I hear people keep reiterating it. You know what I'm saying? Some people are not really used to eating raw foods per se, you know, like eat a salad a day or just eat, instead of blending up your fruits, you know, eat it as is, you know. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because people have not developed that habit, you know, to really, because you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to diet, Naima, we always got to go back to the habits we normally partake in this Western world, especially the Western diet. These habits create the problem, you know, and we get to certain age and we had that maybe God wouldn't have to take surgeries or take these certain dangerous drugs to really um, patch up certain um, irregularities in our body, especially in our genetics and our cell, it's not doing any better. It's actually shooting, you're actually making the bleeding worse. And once the pain can't be completely um, sew up, the whole blood flows, overflows, and then you bleed out. That's how I look at it when it comes to, um, when you take on artificial um, and, you know, other alternate ways to healing, you know, and but you know, but the purpose of this is this is really dealing with the food in this entirely. That's the whole purpose of the discussion. But um, one thing, um, if you dare, name it, um, he did say something about the women. I'm not sure if you have any question about black women and the purpose, Naima. 
I know he did say mention it. I don't know if you have any question on that. Naima. Yes, I'm here. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess I, I guess I didn't really hear that part he mentioned about the black woman. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing, um, what do you think, like I said, as a woman yourself, or just in general, you can't speak for all women, but what do you think the, in regards to, if you ask the purpose of women in regards, and one thing, before you, I say that, Terrence, in your views about our sisters, do you feel, what's one weakness they have, especially now that they live in a Western mindset and culture? Anybody that live in the Western culture got a number of weaknesses. <laughs> well, one weakness is that she not connected with her original abode. Women were designed for corporate America. They was their greatest power is when they connected with nature. The natural rivers, the clean water, the trees, the plants, the wild species, the whole aura. That's the that's the true power. Yeah. And that's, that's why that's why the Western society knew she was the source of power. That's why I noticed when I, when I started taking notice of people going to college, how the women were the ones they were giving these credit cards to, but they weren't giving them to the men. And they were trying to make the woman to be a consumer, trying to expose her to all these uh, material things. And they, the woman being the magnetic source of life, that she has a strong receptiveness. So when people have a strong magnetic attraction to things, if you put a lot of degenerative things around them, that's what they attract. And I think the brothers don't understand it. They figure, you know, it's like a it's like a signifying thing. You know, the woman this and the woman that. I'm like, you can't evaluate somebody when they're not in their true nation. You can't evaluate. It's like trying to evaluate a, a clean water fish in dirty water or a fresh water fish in salty water. It ain't going to be itself. But that ain't the other. Just because it shows you a certain reflection of itself, that's not who it truly is. I mean, in spirit, I know what the woman is. That's why 90% of my friends is women. I don't even deal with guys like this. Mm-hmm. And, and the closer and closer my relationship is with women, the more I'm growing, the more abundance is taking place. Mm-hmm. And, and so many different aspects of life. And I say that... Uh, the reason why agriculture is so non-spiritual is because the black woman is not there. Most of your farmers are men. Yeah. That shouldn't be. In Africa and in India, 85% of the farming is facilitated by women. A woman wouldn't be thinking about genetically altering something. Mm. No, a woman would be trying to bring spirit. Because as this one Bible hour says, Men are more earthly, women are more heavenly. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't throw on earth like men. Because they, they, they're here to bring spirit. Mm-hmm. They're not here to make physical advances on this place. Oh, say it again? I, I think not, it come on one ear. Can you repeat what you just said? Well, God, I think it, I want people to. They're here to bring spirit on earth. They're not here to make all these physical advances, like surviving, to become rich and all this. No, that's not, that's not, even though some of them get caught up in that, but that's not their purpose. But they bring, they, they, they the spirit. But Terrence, saying that, a lot of women that operate and follow, let's say, feminism, I'm just going to use that for example. They're going to find that, oh, that was a sexist what you said. How dare you said that? 
Since I can't make more money than you, I can't business like you. That's the first thing that comes to the mind. You know that, Terrence? Right. Yeah. So you tell me I must touch the fucking icky floor, this dirt, this. Oh, I don't want to touch bugs. All this stuff. Bingo. All the minerals, everything you build, everything that you sell, all the technology, everything, everything, the materials for a house, a car, a plane, everything comes out the mother. That's why they call it Mother Earth. And chaos, you were saying, um, you had mentioned something about the woman or, or whatever, and you was going to ask me something um, before you had turn back to um, Brother Terrence. Because yeah. usually when if I know you missed certain parts earlier because you were in and out, he mentioned the role of women in regards to this, you know, a little bit but, and I want you to get a hearing understanding this because I'm not sure what you do for a living Naima, but um, with these type of conversations this is new conversations, these are things that's not abnormal to women to be hearing you know, they rather hear, you know, what men could do, you know what I'm saying? Because last time I checked, and I told you this before, Terrence, that usually the role of men, we're supposed to impose environment. We build things, you know? And women are able to cultivate what has been built. That's why when you see men build things and they dedicate to women, is to show the work, what we have done, you know? So that way they could put bring the spiritual aspect and, you know, make, give it life. And a lot of women feel, say, because this, and you know, it's going to be off topic a little bit, this so-called quote-unquote gender war between black man, black woman, you know what I'm saying? And mind you, Naima, this is not something we create. This is created by, you know, other outsiders. Patriarchy. Yeah. We be sitting there debating men this and women that. We've been indoctrinated with patriarchy. We have no culture. So we don't have nothing to reference to. Yeah. I, I, I think that's why... There's no fault. There's no blame. There's a reason, though. What's the reason? Patriarchy. Colonialism. White yeah, supremacy. And, and I think that's why we have to really um, get back to stop, get back to, you know, the black family and stop making excuses. Because um, right now, you know, you mentioned the gender war or, the, or we have um, men going their own way, men wanting to um, go to other races of women and all of different things. So I think that if we get back to the basics and back to the man being the head, um, the, um, the woman either being a stay-at-home wife or having maybe a, a small-time, um, a part-time hobby, I think we can get back to where we need to be, but it's like everything is going against that. We, you know, we're fighting against that. Um, the woman is, you know, fed up with the men. The men is fed up with the woman, and I think all that is just a tear. It's just, you know, just tearing, tearing, tearing at our family structure. So I think we need to um, combat these issues that you know people are having. So that we can get a better understanding that all these things are relevant. Like you said, like the woman was the one that was out, um, 
you know, doing these different things. And I think that that would be okay if we had the support of the man, of the man, because uh, uh, the everyday woman, she has to work. She don't have that man that's going to take care of her, right? She has to go out and get the money of her on her own. You know, there's women that's married, so forth and so on. Some women that's married, they still have to work. So I think that we have to, right. you know, come together, tie in together to figure out how can we fix this? Because we can't have, we can't, we can't each be all at odds with each other. We're never going to fix it. It's going to be a never-ending battle. So, if we want to get back to the basics of these things that we, um, of our, you know, of our culture, we, you know, we have to come together. We have to come together as a family, as a family unit, a structure, a community, everything. All that applies, and everything goes together. It's just that it's just a, a ripple effect. Once you have these things placed, once you have these different orders, um, these different order of structure it all falls in line, but we have to get there. We're not there. We're so far from it. I see some of them do it. And, you know, not only that, but most of our people are traveling more, you know, just to find, you know, not just away from sea life, but just to reconnect with nature, you know, and depending on where they're at, the environment they're at, they, they're searching. And I think more males are starting to travel more. And I know women have been traveling for some time. But the problem with a lot of women that travel, Terrence, is they don't seek a purpose when they travel, what the purpose of why they travel, you know? Like you said, they spend their money and... You see, when they come back, let's say back here, they just work themselves deaf and they go do it again. Instead, take that resource they get if they work those jobs and put it to use. But when I understand women's nature, it's not common for them to really, like, seriously, you know, build. They might nest, but the way how they nest it in this Eurocentric Western culture is totally out of line, you know? Because, like, like yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Traveling and not even build a little. It's hard to 
was the spiritual aspect of it. If you're constantly working, you got to take care of the children. And so many women, you know, these broken homes because mm-hmm. our, our culture is gone. Mm-hmm. We don't understand relationships. We don't understand our responsibilities. <clears throat> See, it's never about blame. You know, I, I learned that. For the M1? What's the M1? And blame are imaginary terms. They don't exist in, in, in indigenous languages. They exist in this language because there's a reason for something. It ain't a fault. But you don't fault your counterpart. You understand. Okay, I understand why the brothers messed up. And the brothers, like, I understand how the sisters I got like this because we both have been indoctrinated by a, a non spiritual culture. No shit whatsoever. I mean, think about it. You go around the world, you've had different individuals. The Western culture is the only one that does not have a spiritual paradigm of its own. It takes other people's spirituality and, and, and dissect it, and take certain things out and, and bring other things in. But when, when a culture don't have no spirituality, that's, and you follow behind them, Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a 
because we assist with the process of adulteration of nature. Like this whole inner city construct is contrary to the way things naturally work. work. You'll be tearing down stuff, cutting, drilling holes, digging up stuff, mining minerals and all that. Because then you're trying to be sophisticated. Nature wasn't designed for all that. But it serves a purpose because everything that was put here, it has a, a progressive use and a regressive use. Okay, like plutonium, I mean, uranium and plutonium. Okay, they use the radioactive nuclear energy, which is detrimental. But the beneficial purpose of it was, was to dissolve the, the big rocks, the igneous, the metamorphic, and the sedimentary rocks into soil particles. That's how soil was formed through the radioactive material that was five miles under the earth. So I'm seeing how it's a twofold nature with life. The same thing that's a benefit has a detriment. It's like how gunpowder and weaponry and all this stuff was born, how the knowledge of both of those things was given. Was that developed by our ancestors? The gunpowder? The... Well, well we, 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 we engage in the more progressive use of those things, but the Western culture dealt with the more regressive <laughs> aspect of use. But I mean, not that it can be used to grow food, or it can be used to make bombs and weapons. Mm-hmm. Take your pick. One is pro-life, the other is transformed life. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, like, like we come to clothing, okay? The cotton we wear. It ain't organic cotton. Somebody else. 
A job is you giving your energy to further somebody else's empire, but you're not furthering and nourishing your own inner growth. Mm-hmm. But you may have to take a financial sacrifice, which means you can't travel certain places. So what? But I can travel spiritually. I can travel internally. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can get a lot more out of it than somebody going to Spain. Eating some bad food. <laughs> drinking <laughs> some water that they make you sick with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Naima? I wonder why. Hmm. Because it grows back in one generation, 20 years. Mm-hmm. 18, 17 to 20 years it grows back. You can't cut down oak and birch and mahogany. Those trees take 50, 60, 70 years to grow back. You mean to cut down the whole damn country. But you had to tap into the spirit of the plant to know why the tree is here and what purpose it's serving. So you know how to use it appropriately. Good and what's natural, and then others will follow us as if we, 
as how we've done in the past. We've, we've um, strolled too far off the path. And now we're following other 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 folks, you know, white folks, um, thinking that they are the um, the um, they are the creators and the knowers of of the earth, and they're not. We are, but we're following behind them, and all they are doing, all they know, is death. Everything is death, and you know, ki- you know, killing life, killing the trees, as you stated, the plants and things of that nature. We need that. We have to be. We we have to be one with the planet. Everything has to exist. The animals, the trees, the plants, everything works in unison, and we have to get back to that. But we're just, you know, we're living where you know the dominant culture is just killing everything, and we we and we can't do that. We have to be. We're different people. We're a special people. We have to get back to that. Um, we we're trying to assimilate. And it's, and, it, and it's, to me, that's even getting out of hand. We're just assimilating so much. We're assimilating with the culture. We're assimilating and wanting to um, be with them, lay up with them, have children. And we're act- we're, we are actually helping them and their genes get better. <laughs> They're involving with their genes um, to get to a better people. But it's not benefiting us. It's benefiting them. So we have to do what's good for us, what's going to benefit us, and is to stay far away from them so that we can get back to our greatness or, you know, at least get to a point where, you know, we're um, great. I don't, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I truly feel as though that we need to be separate from them. If, if, you know, if, if the word in the street goes, that's 100. <laughs> <laughs> now Terrence you mentioned about certain trees and I never really talked to you about certain type of trees like you said certain things should not be cut down and some can be cut down for beneficial use for like clothing and other necessities we need in our everyday lives but the the trees that people that they cut down that take almost a century to be as adults what are those trees again called Mm-hmm. You don't blame people. I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, 
I used to do that years ago, but then, you know, you grow and you learn. You know, people don't have no choice but to be like that. I mean, something because they understood something is that, that we taught them, and that is that our mind is shaped and formed and influenced by imagery. That's why the hieroglyphs was the first language. There's no, there's no letters, there's no words, because a picture was worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That image gives you so much imagination, you can explore so far vastly beyond just a word. And then, in certain words, that didn't exist in indigenous language. Like, I found something. You were attracted to it, but you didn't find it, you know? And some of these, you know, like fault and blame, a lot of these words we use, you're supposed to, you know, all these, these irrational words that don't have no meaning whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then this whole thing about the Big Bang Theory. Life has no beginning. Life is infinitely eternal. Yep. And it's too, it's too comprehensive for the Western mind to conceive. But they got to give it a, they got to give it a beginning and a circumference. Mm-hmm. You can't circumference the infinite. Eternal things have no beginning and no ending. It's an ongoing, <clears throat> it's too much to comprehend. They, they man ain't made to comprehend it, but they have to do that. Mm-hmm. Like the math. <laughs> you know, like most of this math you take in school, it don't have no application. Now, calculus has an application, engineers, architects. Yeah, because you have to apply it. You have to apply it. Right. Right. You know, a polynomial, you know, with the graphs and things like that. But a lot of this math, like an integer. What, what, show me an integer in nature. Even um, algebra. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's, well, it's part of the it's, it's part of algebra, but it, it makes no sense. And I think I think the way math was taught, it was taught in a word form. Where, for instance, let's say I have a a pond. Mm-hmm. Okay, the pond is fifty feet in diameter. It's shaped like a cup. The deepest part of it is say twenty feet. Now, how much, how many gallons of water do we take to fill it up? That's how math should be taught in an applicable form, not no doggone numbers. What is numbers saying to me? We visual people, we see things. Mm, interesting. That's the way. I, I got, I got a book on the comedic math, things like that. That's how math was taught. That's why, when I was tutoring over the years, I can take a student that was a D student, and one session they become a C student. The next session, they go to a B. The next session, they go to an A. Mm. Because understanding that, the construct of math. And I told my friend, there's a guy who believes in a flat earth, and I explained to him, everything has a math. Chemistry. If I took carbon dioxide and combined it with oxygen, it's a mathematical equation. I said, I got a book on chemistry math. Everything has math. And I'm like, if the circumference of the Earth, the orbit of the moon, the different phases of the moon, the solar and lunar eclipses, the positions of where the planets set in the sky at all times of the year, what constellations they in, if that could be figured out mathematically, then the Earth would have to be a globe. If the Venus transit that was calculated by the Mayans over 3,000 years ago, and it occurred at the exact date and the exact time, if my math can computate that, then the principle of the math has to be correct. Because mathematics
like it's like a form of validating something, substantiating its existence. I'm like, what a flat earth man said. Y'all ain't got none. <laughs> hey, but they said they said that when when people ask a question, okay, explain to us how to back. He said, Well, let me show you a picture from YouTube. Let me show you YouTube big answer. No, I want you to present right now from your own natural thought, calculate the earth is flat. Have you know they never gave they can never give you an answer? Nope. So that tells you when they brought this shit up, it was for do one thing and one thing. Oh ladies, distract you and put some yep. false propaganda bullshit to something that was was debunked centuries ago. Triangle is not even a triangle. A triangle 
if not three lines that are straight. The hypotenuse is curved like the earth. And if you put four of them together, it forms a circle. Hmm. Actually, let me try. I want, I want to try that. I'm gonna try I got it. a book on I got a book on spherical astronomy and, and spherical trigonometry, but they don't teach it in school. There's books on it, but they I didn't teach it in school. I went to I don't took from pre-algebra to calculus every math they got. I don't I don't study Boolean math for uh, electronics and computer science. They never taught that. Hmm. So no. Wow. This society is doing just what it's designed to do. To weed out the strong and discard the weak. Mm. That, that's the way life is. The strongest things survive and the weaker things perish. That's right. And you know there was a old <laughs> there was a saying goes that the weak shall not inherit the earth. <laughs> now mind you, that's a deep statement. And when I think back to say, yo, damn. This earth, for people, for any existence, you have to be the strongest. And anything that doesn't reach that pinnacle, perish and go. That's so, so true. So, but I mean that. But you know, one thing that bothers me out of all things is that this type of thing that we witness now in our lifetime, that it's been artificially made to make people, like it's creating the weakness. Because we look at centuries ago, we never had about usually the people that were strong, they're strong. The ones that weak, you know, they gone. But the way how things it's like things are being manipulated, Charles. I mean, um, Terrence, in regards that they're making and creating we people artificially. It's like people don't Oh yeah. People usually one time there was choice and usually you have to prove yourself. But now it's like it just dumbed down and makes its intention making weak. So it just creates more weak. To marry, get rid of all the weak. So when you hear them make these propaganda statements, I say you're dumb, you're stupid. Usually, if you have this neck, you should not exist. Now, so you are creating that, you know, because yeah. it's not actually real. It's artificial, and we all know what artificial is. It's something that somebody manipulates and create for their self-interest. So mm -hmm. I just want to share that. I was watching a video called The Multidimensional Genome. And the guy, there's this other guy that he's affiliated with because he's a Christian geneticist. Mm -hmm. Another guy, he wrote a book called Genetic Entropy. And he said that if we're mutating, because you know, other than France, all the other European nations, they have a five to four death to birth ratio. And the guy said, ain't nothing gonna change it. Our only salvation is Christ. <laughs> but, no, but, but, but it's deep because he said science has no answers. He understood that. He said, I don't care what you do in the lab, you could never correct this dysfunction in the lab. In other words, he recognized, I understand, he, he don't understand the full context, but I know where he's coming from because he's really saying spirit. So when he say Christ, he's looking at a person, but we know Christ is consciousness. So he's right. He just don't want, he just got a different view of what Christ is, but it's, it's consciousness. Mm -hmm. That's our only salvation. He's one hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. Didn't disagree with. Him. I see. And that's what it takes: consciousness. This, this is our call. We can't when you when you relegate your responsibilities to other people, especially a uh, heathen. 
a degenerative being. Then you see, you know what the outcome is. And I just told myself, I'd be damned mm-hmm. if I do that. Because we, we have to be responsible. Because one thing is, men, we can't let our women down. I mean, just like, that's what I can say that men have been farming for years, and they're now uh, farming, the amount of farmers is on a decline. But the good thing is, that's how we know things are in spiritual order, that us as indigenous people, our numbers are increasing. Okay. It's on the upright, even though farming as a whole is down. And more women now. I'm seeing more women with land, farming. Mm-hmm. So we're moving in the right direction. It kind of seems it's hopeful to some people, but mm-hmm. nature moves in our own time. It's a, it's a slow process. Mm-hmm. You have to weed out the unnecessary things that are not going to give any type of uh, momentum or influence in the right direction, mm-hmm. those are the things that will be discarded. Because <clears throat> they just going to come back and claim. Mm-hmm. And I mean, North America, they're going to cut all these trees down. You'd probably be lucky if you can find three or four different clean bodies of water. Mm-hmm. But they just going to come back and take what it does. You know, you got like swamps, you got uh, a marsh, they don't mess the marsh up. That's why Louisiana is receding. See, a marsh is a buffer. It prevents the salt water from eating away the coastal areas. They changed the course of the Mississippi three times. <clears throat> the last time they did it, they did it in a way where the sediment that overflows on the banks of the river that forms the marsh. You know, I studied, I've been studying ecology, man, since like the ninth, early 90s. Mm-hmm. I used to watch this documentary with a show called Wildlife America about a European guy, his wife and his son. It was cool, though. It was dope. Okay. You know, they, they, was one, they was one with nature. And I learned so much. And I felt like I was in nature even though I was watching something on TV. This is before I started connecting with the land. So, you know, like a year, it, year and a half later, I started connecting with the land after watching the documentary. I used to subscribe to Wildlife Magazine, National Geographic, you know, Astronomy Magazine. You know, so I was finding any and every possible way to really connect with nature. So I used to go fishing. Mm-hmm. I used to go on these wild hikes. I, you know, at my age, I'm like, I, li- I like to, you know, to uh, hike. To, to journey, mm-hmm. to camp out, put up tents, that, that to be in nature. And that's something we just don't do no more. We, we want to we go and stay in a nice, beautiful hotel away from nature. Mm-hmm. So this how being in somebody else's culture, over time, it's going to take you. You can, you can have people that resist, but overall, most people are going to come to the indoctrination. Mm-hmm. But then I don't blame people because, I mean, you have no choice. Yeah. I mean, but you know, in time, things do change. Things will never stay the same. I see. And besides, this is only a small blink of the eye. You know, it's like a few hundred years. And you consider how many tens of thousands of years we've been on Earth. Things have to 
decline because we live in we live in duality. Duality means a sin, and when they reach their pinnacle, there's nowhere else to go but down. And when they reach the depths of the decline, there's up. no way to go but up. All right. And we pretty much damn it at, the, at, at that at that <laughs> that bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. This is what I'm about to do because now I have, I think I pushed almost, I guess almost two hours, not really close to two hours, but I think I will stop here. Cause I think this so much information. I want people to go back and re-listen to us because we don't, we can't assimilate so much information at once. Repetition is key, my people. So what y'all missed in this broadcast, I would like y'all to go back to the playback and re-listen and i also found the um the site terrence of the c banks so i did show on here people when the people go back they'll see the website itself and i might do this for most people at the end of this playback i will put in the comment section the the url of the c banks if people are interested you know and when i do please tell them that chaos sent you you know for those who want to farm because the weather is going to start getting warm up soon spring is approaching um but that's pretty much it. And like always, you know, this is going to be a a continual series with Mr. Terrence Miller. I think in the next, in the future videos, Terrence, we're going to probably talk about other things. Hell, we might even talk about um, herbs for the next broadcast, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I want I want to separate certain topics and certain clips on the series so way people could know that the information is here. I want, I want people to be clear. The information is out here. You have to search for it, but like always, chaos rain, gotcha, my people. But other than that, you know, thank you. Oh, and one other thing, um, if any other playbacks y'all missed on previous videos, you know, subscribe to the channel. You know, uh, please give comments feedback. It'll be nice. A like will be good as well, but I would like to hear feedback for every um conversation. Get y'all thoughts on this. And like always, let the chaos rain.